Hello and welcome to the Making It in Asheville podcast. This is your weekly Asheville-based podcast where we sit down and interview an Asheville-based entrepreneur, small business owner, maker of some sort. We ask them what they're making and how they are making it in Asheville. I'm your host, Tony Bertaccio, and I'm joined today by the CEO, founder, chief of everything at Botanical Bones, Rachel Meyer. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It is so exciting. So we have these green chairs. If you're watching on YouTube, you see them. They feel so comfortable. I hope you feel comfortable here on this podcast. So comfy. So tell me a little bit about Botanical Bones. Um, we are looking at some absolutely beautiful box and bags here. What's going on? What are we doing? What are we making? What is this? Yes. Well, Botanical Bones is a superfood dog treat business that I started Um it was inspired by um, our dog, Carnaby. So the story is we rescued him at the very beginning of the pandemic. It was March of 2020. So it was like the very beginning of lockdown. And I have a kiddo. We were at home, weren't really succeeding with homeschooling. And I was on the Brother Wolf website saw a pup and they didn't even have they hadn't shut down yet so we were able to like slip in and um we met our pup carnaby fell in love he was four months and he'd been in a hoarding animal hoarding situation in tennessee so he was really anxious like just honestly like shaking and terrified and we fell in love with him we brought him home we were super unprepared we didn't have a fenced in yard Mm. we didn't have like anything that we needed but we just brought him home and gave him a lot of love and um i've always been like an avid baker and very much like identify as a wellness warrior so um you know make a lot of baked goods for myself and my family with like clean super foody ingredients and I decided to start making treats for him. And I started doing a lot of research because I found adaptogens to be super helpful in my like just everyday wellness routine. Mm. So like reishi really helped me with sleep and anxiety and um, ashwagandha with anxiety. So have been using those for many years and started looking to see if I could find anything um, on the market for dogs. Didn't find anything, but did based on a lot of research find that there were like so many health benefits to incorporating these ingredients. The other thing about Carnaby is he's really picky um, still Hmm. to this day. Um, So it was hard to find treats that he actually liked. So I kind of like threw together a recipe with things that I had in the house already, including the superfoods and adaptogens, whole lot of peanut butter in there um, to make them smell really good Mm -hmm. and all human grade ingredients. And Carnaby loved the treats. And so it was like, you know, exciting that he loved them because he was picky and then I found that they were really helping him they were helping his digestion and just his mood and so I was making all these treats but it was the pandemic and we weren't doing anything and I had too many treats (laughs) for him to eat I hadn't done any shelf life studies at that point so just started sharing them with the neighborhood dogs and they loved them too um, then I was helping my friend Hannah at who owns Haywood Common, Hannah and Rob, shout out to them. And they were 
experiencing what all restaurants were experiencing in the pandemic, which like, what do we do now? Sure. Um, so we decided to throw like a pop-up market in their parking lot. And I was helping her put that on because I knew a bunch of vendors just from like community. And so I decided to set up a booth at that market. And when I like saw that people actually wanted to buy the treats, I was like, wait a minute, like I'm on to something. <laughs> so I'm going to pause you there because I, you are onto something. Uh, it seems, and I'm might be fast forwarding. It might not be. This is, so that would have been 2020, 2020, 2020. Uh, I mean, this is a absolutely beautiful execution of brand look, feel it, it is, uh, it's killer, you know, like normally you would find fine print on ingredients, your ingredient font size is like larger than the rest to kind of sh highlight that it's just stuff. It's chickpeas, mm. it's peanut butter, it's pumpkin, hemp seeds. So, um, what, like day one, uh, pop-up one, were you selling them in like Ziploc bags? Like, so you know, like what did it initially look like? And was Botanical Bones like months later you had to name it? So I'm like big into naming. Okay. I love naming things. And so the name came pretty early on. And then what I was doing for packaging and I spent, I would like stay up late into the night looking up packaging. The first packages were like just stock craft bags. Okay. And I ordered a custom stamp. And so I created the stamp design on Canva. Mm -hmm. It was like super basic. And then I would stamp the bags. Um, and people used to say like, we love your packaging, but it was really basic. Um, and the problem with the craft bags was they were great, but the ink on the stamp wasn't waterproof. Mm. So like if it rained at a pop-up or anything, they got wet, it would run. It like it was so basic. Um, so yeah, we started like selling in the pop-up and that was proof of concept. Sure. And then once I knew that like we were onto something, um, I started investigating packaging and that came a bit, a bit later. In terms of order of operations, early days, like how were you, how do you remember thinking about the process of going from an idea into a business, right? So, uh, often people will be like name, website, like email opt, like that's my mind kind of goes to all these like fancy things often. Right. And then other folks will go get into a farmer's market, sell products, sell to neighbors, text people, see if they want it. Um, what, what, how did you think about, how do you remember those early days and your prioritization or order of operation? That's a great question. Um, it was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time to think, e potentially well, overthink. I think it was just that there were like limitations sure. on how I could do things and how quickly I could do things. I also have a young kiddo. So I was home with him and juggling that he wasn't in school. So it was really just, um, I'm like a big instincts person. Mm. Um, and everything was like baby steps and based on instincts, it was kind of like, easy to prioritize because we didn't have a lot of money. So there was that constraint where it was like, okay, just do like the next thing possible. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I was like leaning into a little bit like the things that I like were my strengths. 
like nope. setting up the website okay. that was that was a fun thing for me so I did that maybe like pretty early on um and but yeah everything was just baby steps and and instincts like we didn't because it was totally bootstrapped it was mm-hmm. just like okay we need packaging now let's figure out how to do that and then it was like oh for the packaging we need to put nutritionals on how does that work so like contacting a lab and yeah. sending samples to a lab to get them tested so i'm going to double click on a couple of things okay <laughs> because this is relatively new uh what website did you start on what website platform did you start on Shopify. And you're still there? I'm still on Shopify. I do love Shopify. Yes, my husband is a software engineer. Mm -hmm. So he didn't help me do anything really because he had his own full-time job and was pretty busy. Um, But he was definitely a great sounding board. And he's always been like a big fan of Shopify. So there was really no competition. Sure. Yeah. It's hard to argue, though you can. One could. It's hard to argue if you're uh, like a up and down product company or Shopify does seem to be the platform to build on. Um, Sarah's still on WordPress. We've talked about that in past episodes, but uh, pros and cons, her assumption was that they were going to be very heavy on content and WordPress, especially when they started, um, still kind of had a stranglehold on being the best content platform. Cool. So sure. Shopify to start. Shopify then to start. you're like, okay, we were thinking about packaging. I, I remember hearing at some point or another, maybe it's with, and maybe I don't even know, is there a distinction, human food, pet food, um, but like uh, nutritional facts on like, uh, we had a friend with a hot sauce business. Mm. I think they had to do like 100,000 units before nutritional facts had to show up, something like that. It, it, it might be way off on an order of magnitude high but i remember being like oh wait that's like a lot you have to sell a lot before it it needs to show up on packaging okay um what did you find out about packaging and how did you go about nutritional facts and stuff like that it sounds hard yes so it was like just really a lot of research um so afco is the body that kind of like regulates the pet industry it's different than the fda um but when we were ordering our packaging the first run i did of these bags i think it was maybe i want to say once we started designing i started probably um, in the markets in like July of August of 2020. Okay. And then I think I engaged Atlas who did our packaging design and absolutely nailed it. Crushed we it. get Shout so many compliments and I did not design it myself. I worked with an amazing team at Atlas Branding um, and they've been a great partner. But I think we started, we kicked off our conversations with them in the late fall and then we, so when I knew I needed to get that information and I was gonna do a run, I think the first run was like 5,000 bags was like the sweet spot where it was like, you know, within the minimum of the Mm -hmm. packaging designer, we use more eco-friendly packaging. So it's made from recycled plastic, which is like a little bit pricier. Um, But I was able to kind of slide in with a run of 5,000. If we double that, the price goes down a lot, but 5,000 was like the sweet spot for us. So I think I realized like if I'm ordering 5,000, I need to have this information locked down. So it might not have been necessarily required that we put it on there um, at that stage, but it was something that because we were investing in the packaging, I wanted to just do all in one go. I love it. How'd you find the packaging partner? 
So Atlas um, gave me some names of different Makes suppliers, sense. and then um, I did some research, and I just felt like they were the best option based on their minimums and the options that they had for being eco-friendly. And I knew I wanted like matte, mm -hmm. not shiny, and mm -hmm. a certain like level of quality. Are they the same folks that do the cardboard? Uh, the this the boxes. The box. Oh no! Okay. So Atlas designed the box as well, but we worked with Hood Container, which is local. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What else is involved in packaging for y'all? So you have these shelf ready, and yes. imagine e-commerce fit right into the box. Um, what else is a part of the mix? When I first started, I was just, I didn't get the custom boxes right away. I was just ordering like boxes on Uline, sometimes mm -hmm. on Amazon. Um, and then at that point I had, um, custom tissue paper cool. and custom packing tape. So it made it a little bit more exciting. You, especially with like direct to consumer, you really want to like sex up the unboxing experience. It really helps with getting people to like post and share just like any little touches you can do but it also increased the cost so like sure. figuring out all of that stuff is i probably spent like way more than i should have in the beginning on all the little touches as a as a percentage how, how would you how i mean how do you think about too much right I think just like understanding the margins really well and just especially like as you scale because when you're doing direct to consumer um you know it's you you think about it and you think about your margins without like any other variables mm. and they seem like they're healthy and they're good but then as you grow um and like the things that you have to do to scale you end up like eating into those margins mm. more and more so just like thinking about i guess it's just like gaming out the all the costs yeah. in like a really specific way i had very back of the envelope calculations that i only really realized like i need to look at harder later on as we mm. were scaling is it um i imagine like a google spreadsheet excel file type is that what you're living in for that yes and like breaking that down by like sales channel and just like all the things is i think like super important it's not my strong suit my husband helped me build the model and like i know some other businesses i know have like fractional cfos or mm -hmm. someone who's just like helping them to look at that because like it feels like a lot of money to spend especially when you're small and you don't have a lot coming in but i think it can end up saving you a lot of money um in the long run yeah it's uh that sounds right and it also sounds like i mean all things considered uh what, what it, in terms of the timeline where are we by the time you have a custom box beautiful branding custom packaging like is that 2021 so the like early 2021 that the um, packaging launched like spring of 2021. Wow. And then the custom box is more recent, I think only in the last like year or so. Okay. So I want to say we, we were way further along. Is there anything that you've pulled back on because you're like, hey, you know what? I probably don't need to do, I don't know, index cards in every box. Yes, definitely. All the little inserts, we've definitely scaled back on that. Like for a long, long time, I was continuing to do the tissue. Mm -hmm. I kind of like when we ran out, I didn't reorder. We have like a small stash that we use for sometimes for like VIP gifting, but um, just being like really mindful of all those those little things that feel like, oh, it's just a few cents per package, but it really adds up. Yeah, I believe it. Um Awesome. Okay. So, uh, we've kind of 
went from Shopify to product and product costs. And the thought that I'm having now is early days or mid days. What did the split look like in terms of where revenue was coming from? So uh, it sounds like you started in pop-ups and markets. Mm -hmm. Is it still a pop-up and market-driven business today? Not at all. Pop-up and markets are so fun, and Mm. I love them, but they're not a huge revenue driver. And they definitely, um, I think they're great for getting out and, like, getting in the community, talking to your customer, like you can't get that kind of market research anywhere else. So I think starting out with the pop-ups in the markets is a great way to like understand your customer and research, but they can be so hit or miss. Um, just like in terms of like, is the turnout, is your customer really there? And so we continue to do, um, the North Asheville tailgate market. And I love that one. And we have some like great loyal customers who show up there. We do that every other week, but otherwise, except for around the holidays, we don't do too many markets and it has never been like a big slice of our revenue. Um, our, it's more like 50, 50 direct to consumer and then wholesale, which our wholesale business is mostly like local stores and then through fair, which I can tell everyone what fair is. Sure. So, uh, I will pin direct to consumer and let's look at wholesale. How did, did, um, I imagine you just figured it out, but how did you start in wholesale? What does wholesale look like? So I started like with a few local accounts, Haywood Common being our first one and then Flora and just boutiques around town. We're in Patton Avenue Pet. Um, we love our local shops so much. Patton Avenue Pet's a really killer execution of a pet shop. It's soft. <laughs> They're it's, so cute. Yeah, we love them. Cool. Um, so that was like the very, very early days. And then I don't know if you remember when everyone was like super hot on Clubhouse at the height of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But I had a moment with Clubhouse, which is like this like audio only uh-huh. um, social media platform. And it's probably still going, but I I just had a moment on there, a month where I was on it a lot. And I made some great connections and learned some stuff, especially like in the business rooms around like e-com and CPG. And someone in one of those rooms mentioned FAIR. And I hadn't heard of FAIR. And so they said, I think they recommended it to me or they were talking about it for their business. But basically FAIR is like Etsy for wholesale. So it's a platform where like local boutiques and shops can find um, brands. And so I set up an account and we have been thriving there ever since. That's like really our main, um, like we we don't do like a lot of outbound kind of Mm. sales stuff. It's really just all inbound through FAIR. And we're a top shop there and we have like international stores. People will sometimes send me messages like I was in Paris and I saw your treats and like all over California is a big one. We have a lot of boutiques there. So it's just super cool to like connect with stores that um, we would never be able to find otherwise. Wow. Hello. Are you watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast player? If you're not on YouTube, perhaps consider it because behind us, you would notice that we are in an absolutely beautiful space. And that space is our season sponsor, Ernest Ready-Made Warehousing. And so if you're not familiar with Ernest, uh, it is fantastic. I am joined here by my wife, Sarah Ubertaccio, founder of QB Cucina and one of Ernest's newest clients. 
Yeah, excited to be back on the podcast. Great to have you back. Episode 110, if you haven't listened before. But what we want to talk about today is why you chose Ernest and what makes Ernest stand out, let's say, compared to uh, finding a new office space in town to fulfill from. As a very high level, Ernest is a 30,000 square foot facility on Sweeten Creek, just south of Asheville. Huge facility, beautiful facility. Uh, why did you choose to go with Ernest instead of any other place in Asheville? Yeah, well, I have a small growing business, e-commerce. We sell pasta tools and Italian kitchenware. And we currently outgrew the space that we were in and really needed um, a different kind of space. And so I love Ernest. I love the fact that uh, as we grow, Ernest can scale with us. So they have different sized co-warehousing spaces. Um, so if we, if we grow bigger, we can just quickly move over to a different space within the same building, which is a really huge time saver. I also really love that they have daily, sometimes multiple times a day, um, pickups from UPS, FedEx, and USPS. So we don't have to worry about packages getting lost or stolen, and our team doesn't have to drop them off at the post office. And it just saves us all a bunch of time and headache. Um, and also they have temperature controlled rooms, which for a business like us, we, one of our products is pasta flour. It's really sensitive to temperature. It's really, really important for us to make sure that our products are secure and not, um, not getting damaged while they're being stored in our warehouse. Um, and I love all the other amenities. I love they have a photography studio so we can quickly photograph our products. They have a full break room. Um, they have co-working space that we're able to use for our meetings with team members and other people um, that may come to, to see us. And then just the sense of community being around other uh, small businesses is something that we currently don't have. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to connecting with others here. I love that. Ernest, readymade.com if you've not uh, visited that before. Or you can check out makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest. And we have a bunch of information about the partnership we've built for this season, as well as some perhaps special discounts and incentives. If you happen to be a e-commerce business or the right fit for Ernest, you should definitely check out makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest, E-R-N-E-S-T. And back to the episode. Okay. So that makes me think at least a couple things. One, shout out to Clubhouse, but also like being, I, I think I, I remember that it wasn't necessarily a flash in the pan. It was like a little bit longer than that, but um, it makes me think of threads today. And uh, like, are are you all in on threads? Should we be all in on threads? It seems like uh, on all, almost all platforms, you get out what you put in. And if you're paying attention, uh, there's an opportunity, even if it's, you know, your audience never grew on Clubhouse, but you were in the right space follow the right people, all of a sudden this great opportunity. So uh, don't sleep on threads. Right. <laughs> it's so true. I had the same thought about threads. I was like, is this going to be another clubhouse or like, is it like going to stick? And maybe just like the fact that it's owned by Meta. Yeah, the, the inertia is of Meta. different, but yeah, I had the same thought. And I connected with like celebrities. It was, it was crazy. Wild. Clubhouse. clubhouse. How about that? So then the other thought uh, that's coming up for me is... Uh, what are some of the economics of fair? So it, it seems like they might have one of two models. One is like, uh, you know, providers of the materials, whatever it is that are being sold on mare, uh, fair as wholesale pay some sort of annual subscription. And then maybe a percentage of sales goes through fair. Are you shipping stuff to fair and there being a some central distribution center? Like what is, how does fair, yes. uh, what's the operation? Great question. So as a brand, you either love it or you hate it mm -hmm. because they do take 
a commission. And there's a man in the middle. It's not small. The hands are out and they're saying, pay me the money. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so they take a commission. They actually just changed it. So like it used to be 25% for first order and then 15 for reorders, but they changed it. So now it's like 15 for all, but then um, they take like an opening order fee. Um, and then if you... Like, so you have a shop on fair and mm-hmm. if you have like, if you send a link um, to a store and ask them to order through fair, then you pay no commission. So if it's your own contact, so I have had that happen before, like Moonlight Makers, for example, carries our treats, they're mm-hmm. local, they order through fair because they use it for like their shop to find brands. Mm-hmm. And so they, it's just like, it makes it very easy because you keep everything in one place. So they order from us through fair, but because we have a direct relationship with them, we don't pay a commission. Well, that makes sense. So that part of it is really nice. And then there's some other nice things that I like, like it automatically has um, like prompts an email. So if someone hasn't reordered within like 60 days, you can automatically set it up. So it'll automatically sell, send them an email to like, restock your Mm. product um so it takes like a lot of the heavy lifting out of wholesale but they do take a commission and i know a lot of brands that don't want to be there because of that so it's just for me as like a pretty much like solo entrepreneur on all aspects of like marketing and sales and all those things it's super helpful Mm. um but you love it or you hate yeah, it. Yeah, and you got to know your cost of goods sold, I imagine, if you're going to start handing somebody 15%. Yes. I always, like, like to people who are just starting out on FAIR, I say, like, like look at your margins and then maybe, like, consider. Because you can provide, like, pricing discounts, tiered discounts mm. um, and specials and promos. So I, like, put the opening, like, the minimum price a little bit higher and then have tiered discounts for like larger orders mm-hmm. or if we ever do any sort of like specials so you can kind of like have that padded in hmm. and they cover the shipping which is nice you don't pay shipping and so, but you are shipping to in this to case the customer. moonlight makers they're not yeah, holding they don't anything. touch any product just being the the connection hub the the platform itself fair sounds like a good business to run um that's really interesting also Shout out Moonlight Makers <laughs> showing up on the podcast again. Good to have you. Um, we love Moonlight Makers. Absolutely. Okay, so that's that's at least part of wholesale. Um, one of the thoughts that I'm having is uh, growth in the business. What has been some of the larger growth drivers? It seems like wholesale and the connection with Fair might be a part of it. Um, anything working for you in your business? I would say like all of our growth has been social and community. Um, Even even our wholesale business, like a lot of the accounts that we have, our best accounts like found us through social or we connected somehow. Um, So like the only thing that I've really done from a marketing perspective is like pour all my spare time and energy into like fostering community on social. And that has been the thing. And to be honest, it's been like really slow and steady growth. There's n- hasn't been like one big moment. I think I had in the early days, I was like, 
we're going to have like our Oprah moment. Mm -hmm. And I was really hot on that. And I did like dabbled a little bit trying to get some PR. And I did some like gifting to uh, some pretty big celebrities. And it's just like the impact. I mean, they posted stories and like sometimes we would get sales from it, sometimes not. But it's really like the micro influencers and the slow and steady growth train that's been the big thing. I believe that. Um, what, what's, what's it look like? So uh, slow and steady. What is your, what does a week look like in your brand? What, how, how are you thinking about creating community online? I think just, yeah, just like a lot of gifting, a lot of product gifting for sure, especially in the early days. And then we built up um, an amazing team of Paul Bassiters, we call them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're kind of like our best customers and they have a code that they can share with their friends and family. And then um, they get special discounts and just like VIP treatment. We also have like a Paul Bassiter of the month every month. So we reward them for sharing reels, sharing content because, as like one person, I can only create so much content. So really like our community has showed up for me in a big way. Before we continue, talk to me about Paul Ambassadors. Are you, is this like a DIY ambassador program? Are you using any kind of technology for this? What are we, what are we doing? It was DIY for a long time. And then I did, I ended up trying, doing a trial with this one platform that was okay that I didn't love. And then I switched to another platform that had a great like application process, um, but fell flat Mm. and like was kind of expensive. And I recently switched over to Shopify Collabs. Another shout out to Shopify. Honestly, they're not paying me to say any of this. (laughs) I just really love it. But Shopify Collabs, if you're on Shopify, is free and it does everything you would want a platform to do. How about that? It's amazing. I've been telling everyone I know who has Shopify about it because it's really a game changer. It makes running an ambassador program so much easier and gifting so much easier. And it's just been really helpful. I need to do some homework on Shopify collapse. That sounds Hmm. very exciting and interesting. Um, and, and then the ability to quantify and track their shares, how, is that, that's baked into that as well? Yeah, yeah, it's all baked in. How about Ever, I can show you it if you want to see it. But it's, yeah, it's all baked in. And so it it even like links in their PayPal. Um, so it gives them payouts through. And you can set it up so that um, you can like have different gifts that you give in different tiers like if whatever you want to give them access to and then if you want to do payouts or not you can Mm. make it manual or automatic it's it's very flexible about how large is this paw ambassador program today i think we have just about 80 wow and not all of them are like super super active there's levels of ones that post all the time and then others that um aren't as active but it's it's been yeah, honestly the driving force for sure. Even if there's ten people, I mean, it's at eighty twenty almost always. So I imagine, it's, you know, like fifteen yeah. diehards and then uh, just everyone else. But that's amazing. Uh, cool. I I'm kicking myself. I never even heard of that. Okay, it's pretty uh, new. It, it's it is. Pre- yeah. Okay. 
Well, awesome. I can't wait to look into it. I think that that makes a ton of sense. Viral coefficients are like the superpower for businesses. Um, and so having something that sounds as thoughtful, as dialed, as um, kind of complete as what you've talked about is really compelling. Um, I know that there's like plugins on WordPress that attempt to do some stuff. And then mm. there's these just kind of outside the business uh, versions as well. So like a traditional, like affiliate network is just not optimal necessarily. You can track pixels in some way. You can give someone a custom mm. link or um, a checkout code, but uh, well, how about that? Okay. So then um, uh, social, we got a sense of that empowering your super fans to become uh paw ambassadors love it uh let's talk about the difference between the website that exists today mm -hmm. and the website that you might have started with what has happened uh, in your website i'm so embarrassed not a lot not a lot not okay. a lot cool. and it's one of those things where i set up i found a template and I set it up like pretty much day one, and then I was scared to change it because I'm like, it's it's working, working kind of. I mean, we have like a good um, return customer rate, and yeah. certain things I was just like nervous to change. And then also we have subscription, which is an app through Shopify. So I'm not a, in love with our sh subscription um, app, but it's really tricky to change that and switch it over. Yeah. So kind of like stuck with it. Um, from a design perspective, I've definitely changed imagery, okay. but I haven't done too many changes on like the actual website itself. I did have, I've had like a few different external people do an audit mm -hmm. and I've taken their comments on board. It's mostly been like image description stuff, yeah, that, but I haven't done like a super big deep dive. Um, on changing it and yeah, maybe we will one day, but not today. Awesome. I think that's a perfect <laughs> answer. Totally reasonable. Shopify, one of the gifts of the platform is that like out of the box, it, it's meant to work, Yeah, you know, so that's a good thing. Um, I, I, I don't know if we've said your husband's name, Mark. Uh, so how has tracking on the website, have you been doing a lot of any or any data in any way so embarrassed like, no okay not even um i do look at like the shopify analytics super regularly yeah. but we haven't done i can see that like most of our traffic is coming from social um so i do know that and we haven't done a ton of you know like affiliate stuff with mm -hmm. like i did set up a share sale account but then didn't really like put energy into it mm -hmm. um so we haven't I'm mean, Google alert set mm -hmm. up, but I'm very basic on all the tracking, which definitely needs a bit of a refresh. The main thing, because we make our product is that that just ties up so much of my time and energy that everything else kind of gets put on the back burner. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no one, you don't need, <laughs> so don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, these aren't necessarily, um, uh, needs. I'm just, these are, these are thoughts that I'm having because, everything presents outwardly yeah. to be very, very dialed. And so there's just perhaps an assumption on my end that like- Lazy you have tracking, some, you have very crazy. lazy. Okay. No, not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But we will one day. Heard. 
Um, how about other types of marketing that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, social? Are you thinking a lot about email marketing? So that's a great question. And I held back on email marketing for a long time, mostly just because like personally I get so much spam and I didn't want to annoy people. Um, And then I had multiple people tell me like, this is low hanging fruit. You need to be doing the email. And by golly, it worked. (laughs) I did start doing it. And I think it's definitely like great and important to build a list and foster that relationship with people. I'm still pretty like light. I send like one or two emails a month and then I have a separate email list for our pop ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, email is powerful. And uh, the one thing that I held off on doing and then started doing pretty recently was through Clavio doing the like kind of welcome sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone comes to our website for the first time, little thing pops up for enter your email to get a discount. And if they do that, we don't do the whole like seven step sequence with like all the email flows, but we do just like, we send them an email with a code and that welcome code it's getting worn out. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah. And then we have like all the basic kind of like automation set up through Shopify. So again, shout out to Shopify. They just have, you can literally like flip a switch and it turns on like if someone abandons their cart or if they um, haven't ordered in like, you know, however many days you want to set the threshold. And so I do all the kind of like basics, but not too much more than that. Cool. I think email marketing is, uh, I don't think there's such thing as too many emails if the emails are good. Yeah. Right. For sure. That's, and that's the question is like, can you do good emails? And, uh, often the answer is no, <laughs> but like if the emails are good, mm-hmm. even if you don't read them or you got one the day before, or you, you know, you got one earlier that day, uh, you, the offense is not necessarily there if it's like a needy 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 bye 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 like sure. you know uh kind of i mean it's not spam people subscribe right so you're not just yeah. blasting people who haven't asked for it if you can deliver value if you can make it fun if you can have it inviting it's like the number one channel perhaps second channel to like text messaging but that's about to, i think at probably destroyed in in some way people are going to break text messaging and we're going to have to circle back to phone calls or something again but (laughs) email marketing is at least it's the one platform that doesn't have uh an algorithm controlling it google inbox might say you know uh promotions and stuff but um it's there it arrives and it's findable I, i love email marketing what um as I've sort of asked a couple of questions that you, you know, uh, you feign some sort of embarrassment. What other things in your business are you thinking about? Like where, uh, it's like, a, if I could get to it, I would get to it thing. That's kind of eating brain space for you. That's a good question. Oh, there's always like, just, I think one thing is PR and like mm. doing the PR myself. Cause I think it's, if you do it yourself, it can be really powerful, but it's a big investment, mm. like building those relationships and spending the time to, 
to do that is something that's like always on my list and then doing like stuff for holiday that's Mm. definitely because like i just talked to a friend in the pet space this morning and she's like i'm already working on my advent calendar and i end up being super last minute about that and like all the things that i know work Mm. like giveaways i do them but i tends to be like when someone reaches out to me um and asks if i want to do a giveaway i don't really like have a calendar so like organizing all that stuff like just being super organized i think is a general helpful thing that i strive for the latter half of this year and i'm 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 gonna try to do that and then i guess the last one would be trade shows because i i do think that that's a great way to build a brand um and trade shows seem to have like come back in a big way especially this year when they were like um you know on hold for a little while or like not as powerful um during the pandemic so that's looking ahead something that i want to invest some time and energy into yeah seems like it's it's those all seem to be either long-term planning and thinking actions Mm -hmm. and or like taking a step out of making treats and, and, and working in a business. One of the languages you hear perhaps often, I think I've said on the podcast a lot, but is, uh, you're either working in the business or you're working on the business we're doing a podcast right now. Like I'm in the business. I'm not being strategic exactly. about what making it an actual yeah. could become. Um, we're, we're, we're doing it. So, um, yeah, those all seem to require some level of, let me zoom out. For sure. That's yeah. Mondays and Tuesdays. I mean, I think we give off big brand energy, but we're still like super small business. And like on Mondays and Tuesdays, you can often find me with big gloves on doing dishes. I try to have strategic thinking when I'm, you know, in that mode, but I think you do need a certain level of like space and time mm. to have those big strategic thoughts. So hopefully I'll, I'll get there this year. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I want to put a, a pin in big brand energy. I, I don't, I'm sure that's a thing. But uh, big brand energy, 2023, 2024, let's have some big brand big energy. Big brand energy. I like it. Um, and I also would agree, it does seem that in order to do, to do the big kind of, uh, you know, creator, owner thinking, you have to afford yourself space. And while, uh, you know, some of the greatest thoughts ever probably have happened while people are doing the dishes, <laughs> you know, just like... Sure. You know, in the 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 flow state of like, well, there's knives around. I guess it's dangerous, and somehow the movement uh, opens up parts of your brain. But it is probably a little too close to the work to really have that magic happen. Heard. Um, that's funny though. Okay, so uh, talk to me a little bit about like how you're thinking about the business in terms of what good, uh, like what are milestones that you three years ago set that you've hit and you feel like, wow, I can't believe that happened or, um, something equivalent to that. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I just, I never would have imagined we would have come this far when I first started. Um, it was really like 
just a little kind of pet project. And I always had entrepreneurial like aspirations, watched mm-hmm. every episode of Shark Tank, used mm-hmm. to like fantasize about going on Shark Tank and um, but never really like thought that it would happen for real. Yeah. And the brand has really taken on a life of its own. I'm, I kind of feel like I'm along for the ride, but it's got its own momentum, mm. which has been really cool. I think a lot of that happened when we, about this time last year, we, or a, a year ago in the spring, we applied for a grant, a local grant called the NC Idea Grant. And we won it and it was a $50,000 grant. So that was like the big, a big, big moment where I was just blown away by the fact that we had accomplished that and that people believed in my business that much to like to back us in that way. Um, So I would say for sure that that has been, you know, that was that was a game changer moment. And that enabled us to, you know, do a lot of things that we wouldn't have been able to do just in terms of just cash flow and growth. Um, So that was probably like the major moment and milestone when I realized like, oh, this is real. People believe in what I'm doing here with this little dog treat business. Well, I I missed that. Congratulations! Oh, you did. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I know NC Idea. That's like uh, that is that is it. That's the yeah. that's a huge. huge I deal. really encourage anyone. They have so they have um, a ten thousand dollar grant and a fifty thousand dollar grant. And when I was going through the application process, I remember having the thought because it was it's you know extensive as it should be, mm-hmm. but I was go going through the process and I have the thought like, even if we don't get this, this is such a valuable exercise. So like if you have a business that's scalable, um, it's a great idea to apply because they are wanting to support local businesses. And I think if I could do it, anyone can do it. But also like, even if you don't get it, it's just a really, really great exercise to go through answering all those questions. And it was one of those moments where I actually did like step out and had to be strategic and think about my business in a new way as someone who never went to like business school and didn't necessarily know all of those questions, just like the act of um, putting together the application was really, really um, valuable. A, again, congratulations. B, Thank that's you. great uh, additional context. C, uh, a couple episodes ago, we interviewed uh, Devil's Foot Brewing, yeah. neighbor in the building, also NC Idea grant winner. Uh, absolutely incredible. The grants, it, it seems grants can be slept on by most businesses. And yeah. what makes it different than um, Shark Tank is that, <laughs> or going to a bank, is that there seems to be no you know, equity given up or debt, mm, you right. know, pay ba- payback. So uh, that's the best kind of money, it seems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. You are held accountable, which I think is really great. Like we got the money in different tranches and had to like share some information along the way and have, you know, regular calls. Um, But it's all really helpful and supportive and they have all kinds of systems in place to support the entrepreneurs along the journey. Another shout out to a local. So like you're talking about all my friends here. Um, We're also part of the um, Venture Asheville 
program. So it's like local mentorship. Mm -hmm. So that just like, especially if you're a solo founder, but like even if you're a team, I think it's so helpful to have like mentors and support. And it's just like, it can be really hard. So having other business owners to talk to and commiserate with has been like, honestly, um, yeah, a guiding light. Yeah. We interrupt this episode with a horror story, an e-commerce horror story that my wife, Sarah Ubertaccio, experienced, but I'm going to preface, she's not alone. You might be an e-commerce store owner. You might have a friend who's an e-commerce store owner. And uh, this story is universal, though specific. Sarah, please take it away. Yeah, well, I own a small business called QB Cucina, and we sell Italian pasta tools and kitchenware. And in our previous space where we were fulfilling from, one day my employee was packaging up a bunch of packages to ship via UPS, and UPS did not pick up from this location. And so she was going to package them up and take them out to the car and drive them to UPS. Well, it was raining a lot that day. As it tends to here in Asheville. Yes, as it tends to here in Asheville. And on her way, taking the dolly out to her car, uh, some packages just flew off the dolly were soaking wet she was soaking wet and then she had to repackage them like go back up to the office and repackage them because they were ruined and and couldn't be shipped out so yeah and uh a i'm so sorry to hear that story that's a heartbreaker now you don't have to worry about that happening anymore because you work at Ernest ready-made warehouse and they have daily pickups and deliveries from FedEx, UPS, and USPS. Yes, it's like it's like suddenly we have a valet and concierge at our fingertips, which is amazing. Um, they have daily pickups from from all the major shipping carriers, and they have a huge loading dock, so we can receive our shipments very easily, twenty four hours of the day, every day of the week, which is amazing. To learn more about Ernest Ready Made Warehouse, visit makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest E R N E S T. We have uh, all sorts of information about this season, about our sponsor, Ernest, ReadyMade, and uh, offer a very special incentive for those of you who are small business owners in Asheville who could benefit from this facility. Back to the episode. What else has been some of the, you know, the special sauce, the, the, the magic that's helped the last couple of years be great or feel sustainable, doable, uh, possible? Yeah, I would I would definitely say community like just in the pet space, like mostly um, local and online and then um, just community, local community, meeting up with other business owners, talking about problems, getting advice from people who are further along than I am and being able to ask questions because most of the problems that you have as an entrepreneur, like someone else has gone through it, but they're not they're usually not things that you can like Google to find an answer unless it's like very, very um, clear cut. Mm. It's oftentimes like you need, for me, I, I'm very like intuition gut driven. And so hearing other people's stories just really helps me and podcasts, podcasts like yours and just like hearing other business owners tell their stories for me, especially when they make mistakes, I love I like hearing about the wins, but I love hearing about the failure the most yeah. because it just a I think it gives us permission to make mistakes, which we all need because we're terrified as entrepreneurs that we're gonna blow it totally. And I think hearing that, I think not a lot, not 
everyone feels like safe or comfortable talking openly about that stuff. So just like having podcasts like this to hear those stories is so profound. Well, I hate to not follow up and say, are there any fumbles that you've made over the last three years that are kind of stand out as a, uh, if I got up from this, you can get up from this too type of a moment. Totally. I, I mostly they're money mistakes mm. and most of them were like pretty small. Um, but one but of feel huge. I they imagine. feel big and there's definitely like fear involved with them. So like, yeah, always check your proofs. Like double check them, have someone else check them. I've made so many mistakes on social media. I don't even count those like typos and stuff that I'm embarrassed at for about for, you know, like a few hours and then I get over it. Mm. Um, If you look at our shipping box right here, this wasn't actually a mistake that I made, but our supplier um, made a typo. So our handle on social is actually botanical bones co on tiktok it's botanical bones but on insta it's botanical bones co and they got it wrong it wasn't on me um so i did get a nice discount on that (laughs) um so yeah checking proofs is one and then the other big one i would say was i took a gamble not this last christmas but the the holiday season before so that was 2021 Um, I invested in PR Mm. because I wanted to go hard on gift guides and all of it. I had a friend who was based in LA and I spent, I was like, okay, I'm going to set aside some budget. It was before we had the grant. So it was like family money. It wasn't, yeah, it was every dollar counted. I didn't have a lot of runway and cash flow was tight. And, but I was like, I'm gonna, I don't want to leave money on the table. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to do this. And I invested in PR and it was just such a flop. Mm-hmm. It was a good lesson for just like expectation setting and being like not having super high expectations of things like it's good to test, but also anything where it sounds too good to be true or it feels like an overpromise, it's like mm. especially with marketing, no one can guarantee impact. I mean, yeah. Uh marketing and PR Right. So those two things, marketing, PR, advertising, I I think are three wholly separate things. Almost always, uh, marketing is like the relationship stuff that you're uh, to me, at least that you're talking about. Then social media, uh, sometimes there's links and sometimes there's an opportunity to sell advertising is like, and I, I wonder if you, have you played with any digital advertising? I haven't because that I did decided to do the PR first. And basically the advice that I heard from someone, um, which is kind of like what I'm holding is like, you have to be doing like, I can't remember the number, but a certain amount of monthly revenue, like to really get the ad spend to work, at mm. least in the current climate. And maybe that's true. Maybe, I think it's probably different for everyone. But I just was like not feeling quite ready to yeah. to do that. Heard, yeah. I think uh, marketing is the one that I would say everyone should. Well, and there's counterpoints on all this, but everyone starts with marketing, and then you can consider one way or another PR or advertising. The one benefit to going with advertising first is that, in theory, 
you can track every dollar, even if the dollar just lights on fire, Perfect. you know that like this dollar led to a click on a demographic that we thought was right For sure. <laughs> and it wasn't. And they got to the website from this click and then they bounced. Um, and so that's good. And then advertising, I mean, we've done episodes with, uh, you know, Mirwan from uh, Chai Pani. We've done episodes with um, uh, the folks at Wrong Way. Both have the same, adver- or at some point have used the same PR agency. And goodness gracious, man, you can't keep those folks out of the news. And so PR, like I want to discredit it because I'm like, well, there's no, you can't watch the money move from point A to point B with in in a perfect line. Um, Jefferson Ellison is another like advocate for PR and, um, and I go, yeah, but when it works, it freaking works. You totally. Know? No, I'm not hating on it. I'm no, not I hating know. on advertising. I, I tend to. I tend to. I'm really guilty. not. I just think when you're super small and scrappy, mm. especially when your cash flow is tight, you have to like really watch the money so yeah. closely. And so that was like, that was totally on me where I was like, I actually didn't have the budget for it. And I did it. And I probably, it was like for brand awareness, it was probably great, but it just didn't have that impact that I was able to like really see in our bottom line the way I needed it to like right away. Um, so it was a mistake, but I did forget my biggest mistake of all. Can I backtrack and go on a rant? Yeah. Okay. Amazon. (gasps) Yes. Okay. Okay. So So that was probably my biggest mistake of the business was just having, and it comes down to expectations. I think, you know, as a small brand, I was like, okay, we can't really go after like a big retailer like Target because that something like that could put us out of business with like, we just wouldn't be able to, you know. Fast enough to fulfill an order. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, but we can do Amazon. And this is where our customers are buying treats already. Like we need to meet our customer where they are. And so decided to launch on Amazon, felt like really hot on it, thought it was going to be like the thing that would help us with our growth and like just blowing up. And I, so like getting on Amazon, just like doing everything to like actually launch on Amazon is a whole process, which takes like many, many months. Yeah. So that we did and that that was fine. It was complicated, but like we trucked our way through it. And then my husband, who's a software engineer and has like a brain for algorithms and all those things. I started doing Amazon myself and I was like, this is like, especially the advertising piece of it. Cause I think like a lot of customers don't know there's a whole advertising ecosystem on Amazon huge, and you have huge. to pay to play. Yeah. And so I spoke to a lot of local businesses that are killing it on Amazon and got their feedback and their help. And we launched and it was working and I was like driving our customers there so we could get reviews and I was like this is great and then I enlisted my husband to help with the ad piece and that was the one thing that he did do he set up this whole like back-end thing called helium 10 Mm -hmm. which like basically helps you um figure out like everything related because it's so complex and a lot of people use agencies it's really hard to do yourself but he found this tool called helium 10 which we paid like a thousand dollars to have a subscription to and he was killing it like we were selling we could not 
I had to keep restocking. We were like, it was through the holidays. We were like, this is so great. We just have to keep producing and sending more treats to Amazon. And we were like, this is, you know, the opportunities here are, like the opportunity to scale on Amazon is massive. So we felt really good about it. And then post the holidays, pulled back, looked at our kind of, because we knew what our margins were for Amazon without ad spend. Mm. But then once you actually start factoring in the ad spend and everything that goes into it, um, including like the labor to send product and just you have to like incorporate everything. And once we actually looked at that as like a sales channel, we realized on our single packs on Amazon that we were losing money. Mm. And so I think I just didn't fully look hard enough at the numbers and I didn't understand how the whole Amazon ecosystem worked when we launched there. So we majorly pulled back on Amazon and we still sell there. Our bundle does make money and like that should be like the only thing that we have there, but we don't want to pull the other products down because we have reviews tied to it. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon, we just do FBM. Um, and I'm just not as hot on it. Like I'm not driving people there. It's just kind of like there on the back burner, but yeah, Amazon is a whole beast and a lot of people have like teams dedicated sure. to it. So if you want to take on Amazon, just know what you're getting yourself into. You are losing money. Oh my goodness. It's so one thing to be like paper thin. It's one thing to be like, oh, we did $10,000 in dog treats on right. Amazon and we made four hundred dollars, right. you know, like or two or one or none, but to to be losing money on even if it's individual SKUs, um, that's like you know that's a that's the Walmart strategy, that's the Amazon strategy, that's not a small yeah. business owner strategy. And we just have to keep our inventory for direct to consumer. Sure. Like we can't be, we don't have enough product yeah. to be driving that. Like it's a great revenue driver. It definitely drives revenue, but if it's like yeah. If your margins are thin, then it's just tricky. And then the question is like, what game do you, what game do you want to be playing, and what game do you think you're playing? Um, because if you're looking to, you know, uh, sell a business or you know get equity investors, mm -hmm. there is a world where you want to say, hey, look at our growth in revenue. Look at our top line. It's going in the graph. It's going vertical. For sure. Uh, look at this top line. How can you, you want a seat on this rocket ship? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, well, what about the bottom line? And you're like, well, listen, don't worry about the bottom right, line. Right, like right. that's where you come in. Right, like right, once right. we get the money, we're going to, we're going to work on the bottom line. And that's software businesses almost always, right? It's like, we're paying attention to the top line. We're growing revenue. And then we'll worry about the bottom line in the future. Um, it's software and it's CPG. So most CPG businesses that scale are losing so much money. That are investment grade right, and right. scaling that way. Right, exactly. So I think that that's such a, a, a great point. And I think when we launched on Amazon, that was, it was like after the grant and I was, that was the game that I was playing. I was mm -hmm. like, let's go. And people telling me like, you know, $50 million revenue, let's go. And then after I like took a step back and looked at everything really closely, um, and evaluated, like, what do I really want? Like someone said to me, like, how do you want to design your life? And so I really like sat with that 
and realized that like I think I want to be like more focused on profits than revenue so like really profit first mentality mm. bootstrapping and slowing down if we need to to do things like intentionally and just grow strategically and not just chase revenue or vanity metrics because it's exhausting so the the tail can certainly wag the dog yeah. in this uh, in this game. So, what uh, after doing that meditation, what what came up? What 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 thoughts? So clearly, pulling back on Amazon, that is not that is not fun anymore, right? Like that's not exciting. We, I've learned, fool me once, shame on you. I'm not getting no shame on me. Yeah. We're done playing that game in the same way. What else has come up? I think just like. You know, um, we know we need to get our cogs down. So, like, our cost of goods sold. We, and we know we can get them down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of work. So, I think just, like, being strategic about that, getting the cogs down. It's not to say that we once we get our cogs down, Amazon could actually be fine. Sure. Um, I don't think I'll ever be, like, in love with it mm-hmm. um, as a sales channel. But I think we'll, we'll probably stay there and try to make it work for us but yeah did you, and I, I shot my hand up and to interrupt and i apologize did you do anything that would have incentivized them to follow up directly to your website so people do that yeah. and it's kind of like is it frowned upon by no them? no i mean you're not supposed to drive people to your website we we just kind of included a card and it like encouraged people to leave reviews sure. or to connect with us on social yeah <clears throat> so that was our way. Like if you connect with us on social, then we'll do it there. Yeah. But I know that people do incentivize or like have little kind of tricks that they do and they haven't gotten in. Everyone I know who does it hasn't gotten in trouble with sure. it. Um, I was just scared too. I mean, I, I get that. I'm a rule you know, follower. Yeah. A big hand slap from Amazon would probably hurt. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I guess part of the thing I was thinking about, it's like everything I can, remember buying from like big boxes especially online is like in the packaging it goes like do not return this to where you bought it like reach out to us if there's an issue um interesting and part of me goes if you use it as maybe not like a profit engine uh or you or not consider that it'll be your ever your largest profit engine but it could be a good um kind of lead engine is an interesting concept and somehow or another Amazon does subscription stuff, but if you can, you know, fulfill subscriptions on your own website, say, you know, not allow subscriptions on Amazon somehow, I don't know. That's, Those are thoughts. That's definitely like one of the thoughts I had too. And I did actually have, so we were on, we have like a connection with um, a business that had a relationship with boxed.com. For sure. Um, and we were on boxed for a while and then the relate the partner that we had stopped working with box so we're no longer there but i did have people convert from boxed which it was a similar thing it was drop ship yeah. um and i had people convert to subscribers we had like some repeat orders and then they converted so i do think that it's it's super valid and the people i know who the smart businesses i know that are playing the amazon game really well that's that's what they're doing yeah. they're just trying to like use it as a kind of like a driver for leads cool. yeah. <laughs> uh what what uh what else does the future hold for botanical bones 
Yeah, well, we're just, you know, we're trekking along, and I'm excited for the future. I think that we are in a really good place because we're just with this profit first mentality, um, just, you know, figuring out um, what growth looks like in that way, in a way that like as like on a personal note, I'm really trying to slow down. And I was struggling with burnout pretty severely the beginning of the year. Mm. So I'm just trying to, you know, try to find some balance or at least just like recognize like when I'm in a really stressed out state. And and so, yeah, building a business that I feel proud of, but also, you know, doing it in a way that fits in with my family life and yeah. all those things. It seems to me that that is the, uh, that's the Asheville dream, perhaps yes. not the American dream, but it's like, can I do something big that fulfills me, that inspires me, that uh, helps the community at large, or, you know, is at least uh, participates in the community at large. And can I do that all while having like a healthy existence on planet earth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, cause it's, it, if you just looked around, not maybe in Asheville, but if you looked around at uh, the avatars of successful business tycoons, it's like unhealthy, 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 like sociopath, unhealthy. Like it's just yeah. there, there are there are examples for sure of folks who seem to be living balanced lives and uh, succeeding uh, economically or professionally, um, and it seems like those folks are actual the the heroes here in Asheville. For sure. I take a lot of inspiration from the dogs too. Our customers, they're just living their best lives. We just <laughs> yeah. want to make them happy. Honestly, I would give away all the treats for free just to hang out with the pups. That's like what really that's what it's really all about. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is uh that's actually I, I, I honestly I feel like I should ask that at the start. Yeah, what is it all about? So it's about the pups. Uh, the pups, the rescues. So we we give back to Animal Rescue. Mm-hmm. Our dog Carnaby, Carnaby is a rescue, right. and we work with Brother Wolf. We look, work with Mountain Pet, Asheville Humane, and then rescue organizations all over um, in different cities. We try to spread the love around. We love sending treat donations and financial donations, and um, yeah, that's what it's really all about for me. And I'm. I'm working on my husband to get another dog. Oh, man. That's the angle. Uh, I get it. Uh, shout out to Brother Wolf. By the way, we um, also adopted from mm. Brother Wolf in 2021. And uh, Sarah was like, if 40 is maximum weeks, she was like 38 and a half or so, 30, 37 and a half weeks we went. And mm. uh, they were like, would you like to see the puppies now? <laughs> Oh yes. Oh, and then anyway, no, you didn't. <laughs> Brother Wolf. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Is all. It's all about the puppies. It's all about the puppies. Yeah. Uh, what a pleasure. Is there anything in your heart, on your mind, that when you're like, oh, we're gonna do a podcast, I want to make sure I say these things, and we just somehow missed along this way? Oh my gosh, we covered so much, and this has been super fun. But there's too many to mention. But I just I love all. The, the small business community in this town and shout out to all my friends who are listening and if anyone needs support send me a dm 
always here to help. And I, uh, facts also, you are in the mix all the time, everywhere. It is so impressive uh, to see how you clearly throughout the story have talked about all these ways that you've, you know, received from the community. Like, uh, as an example, you said when you were looking at Amazon, you talked to local businesses that work on Amazon, ask for insights. Uh, you're engaged and you, you put back into the community in a big way as well. So, uh, I'll reflect that back to you. DM, uh, Rachel, you can also DM us, <laughs> DM everybody, yeah. DM, start a group thread. <laughs> if you see this, DM us all. Um, and I really appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thank you. Great.